Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Aptivate podcast. Today I have two absolutely fabulous and awesome people joining us in Megan Sylvie and Molly Plain. They both work for a company most of us have heard for, ASICS Digital, and we are beyond ecstatic to have them on the line. Molly, Megan, thank you guys so much for joining us. How are you? Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for having us. Thanks. We're great. How are you? Good. Everything is cool. Really, really excited to kind of dive in with you guys today. As is tradition, would love for you guys to take a second, tell listeners about who you are, and also tell them about kind of where you're working now and maybe any past experience you have. So whoever wants to start first, go for it. I can start. This is Megan Sylvie. I started with ASICS Digital about almost two years ago. So I'm in charge of all of our paid media acquisition, you name it, for both apps. So we have RunKeeper and ASIC Studio, which we can chat a little bit more later, but uh, RunKeeper is kind of our GPS running app, has been around for a while now, lots of dedicated, loyal users. ASIC Studio is kind of our newer app with on-demand coaching, in-your-ear, audio fitness. So we're continuously growing both apps. So kind of back to my background, I come from actually the agency side. So I was at Digitas right down the street in Boston, started in search marketing, Quickly realized I wanted a little bit more of a broader scope there. So transitioned over to the strategy and data team. So I get both sides of the picture. Then realized that you jump from client to client at an agency. So I was on like Goodyear Tires, Victoria's Secret, and realized, you know, I really wanted that fitness brand, which is when I started seeking out places like ASICS. More specifically, knew I wanted to be in the mobile app space after some experience working on the apps at Digitas. So kind of aligned those two and ended up here at ASICS and it's been growing and fun ever since. I've heard through the grapevine that working for agencies is an absolute grind and it's brutal in some ways. Did you have a positive or overall negative experience in the agency landscape? Let's just say I made a lot of friends there experiencing that grind. So it was a great time in terms of you learn a lot of stuff quickly A lot of people come directly out of school. So I came out of grad school, just got my MBA, kind of didn't know what I wanted to do outside of being into like more of a consulting and strategy role. So I knew I could get that client experience at an agency. The only thing about the agency is that you get siloed a little bit, which is where I was on that search marketing track. But again, you get like that deep dive of whatever topic you're focused on. So all in all, like great experience. Glad that I can say we came from an agency. We actually have a crew here with all agency background and we kind of align and share our experiences together. But I'm uh, glad I did it. And it's a great transition and leeway over to brand side. Right on. And Molly, what about you? Did you come from an agency as well? I did not. So hi, I'm Molly Plain. I am on the Fitness Apps marketing team here. I focus primarily on engagement with the RunKeeper user base and also facilitating ways to connect RunKeeper users with the ASICS brand. So finding ways that are appropriate and make sense on their running journey to surface ASICS products or just like put the brand in front of them in meaningful moments. So I have actually been here for a little over five years. I came to RunKeeper right out of school when we were still a startup and I was on the support team for about two years. And then once we were acquired about three and a half years ago, I spent a year on our like partner marketing team. So I was working on 
bringing other brands to the Runkeeper user base. So the biggest project that I worked on was Jaybird Partnership, a sport headphones company. And that was a really, really awesome experience. And then after that, I had done that for about a year, I switched into marketing. So now I focus primarily on bringing ASICs to Runkeeper users and like encouraging them to go for runs and provide them with engagement tools in the app to like keep them motivated and kind of switch things up for them, basically. Interesting. So understanding correctly, it sounds like part of your responsibilities before were, was it like client management or partner development in terms of bringing new brands in front of the Runkeeper users? It was more like client management. So we had a sales team who would source the deals and then I would be handed off afterwards to make their ad campaigns and the app happen. Interesting. And now you do it all kind of like in an internal way though, right? Yeah. it's I'm running a lot of the same types of campaigns. They're just more on behalf of ourselves or on behalf of ASICs as opposed to on behalf of a partner. So sure. the biggest way that that comes to life is our challenges feature. So we used to run a lot of challenges in support of other brands. We had a Runkeeper store for a while. So I was doing a lot of that as well, driving sales to that store. And then now it's primarily just more of an engagement tool and then also uh, ways to like celebrate ASICs product launches and things like that. Could you guys tell me a little bit and, and the listeners a little bit about what is the challenges feature? The challenges feature is a feature in Runkeeper, which was initially designed as a partner marketing tool. So we had deals with various brands and before we were acquired with competitor brands, where if you completed a certain activity requirement within a set period of time, you would be rewarded or with like a discount or sweep or something to that effect. We have moved away from that just as the nature of the feature has changed, but we have found that the participation is still super, super high, even without an incentive to complete. So I think the value that it provides is a, there's like a fun content element to it. So we always try to have a theme. We do one every month and then we'll also do bigger ones like time to time. And it just kind of gives people something to do, I think, where they don't have to think for themselves. So if you you just like seeing the accomplished feature or check mark or whatever that you did like four runs in a month, like that's awesome. So that's where that kind of lives now. Sometimes that's all it takes, right? Like I think about myself in the context of running, which I don't particularly love to do. And it's kind of one of those things where like if I just set out to run one day, I kind of just run till I'm tired. And then I'm like, all right, screw this. I'm going back home and ordering food, like an absolute waste of life. Whereas if someone sets goals in front of me, I'm just more apt to do them because I have something to actually run for, right? And that's part of the mentality that you guys kind of tap into there, it sounds exactly. like. Exactly. Really yeah. cool. So ASICs and Runkeeper, these are huge, huge brands, right? I mean, especially with the acquisition, you guys probably have gone through a ton of changes. Runkeeper is an interesting app, right? It's been around for a really, really long time. How do you guys go about marketing this app at this point in its maturity, right? Is it a case where a lot of the same kind of verbiage and messaging has stayed the same over the course of its life? Or have you found that with kind of the acquisition by ASICs that a lot has changed in terms of how you message to Runkeeper users or prospective Runkeeper users? Yeah, I mean, Molly can probably speak to more of the historical stuff on this since she's been around a little bit longer than I have. But in terms of like messaging and where we're at for marketing Runkeeper, knowing that we do have ASICs as a strong brand name to kind of leverage, I personally, in my acquisition efforts, try to bring that in as many times as we possibly can. So it's great that we're kind of able to merge these two communities, so to speak. So we'll find that a lot of people actually don't know that 
ASICS has acquired Runkeeper. So it's really putting those two together, rebranded the icon. We've done a lot of things and taken a lot of strides forward since the acquisition to kind of really leverage that big brand name. But I would say that at the end of the day, it's still a work in progress. When when our users are seeing like ASICS, we want them to immediately associate that with Runkeeper and vice versa. So we're still working on it. But it definitely is gives us a competitive advantage in the space, which is great to have. Molly, I don't know if you have any more to add on the historical. Having not really been super involved in that side, I don't know specifically what we were doing like before you were here. But I do know that our first growth marketing hire was in 2015. So I know that a huge, huge portion of our growth until that point was just organic discovery. So that that's really what we built on. For the first, I guess, like seven years that the app uh, was out there. That's kind of early days of just the app ecosystem in general. And since then, the workout world, you could call it, has kind of exploded, right? Would you guys say that's accurate? There's a lot more competition now than there probably was when you started, right, Molly? I don't know how much of it is me noticing mm-hmm. because I work here, but I feel that way for sure. I know that it's, yeah. It's kind it's of something for everyone. It's crazy to think things there is a time before like a class pass or all these classes yeah. at on Mind Body and Barry's boot camp and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to think. Granted, I was in college at that time, so maybe I was kind of immersed in the world of campus recreation in that sense, but it's crazy to think that all of these different options have popped up outside of like your local Boston Sports Club or something like that. Yeah. Do you guys find that it's challenging to differentiate against these other platforms or do you guys think you have a core message that you kind of stick to that that sets you apart i can speak to how i feel about it i think our biggest value prop about what i think makes us stand out and makes us different is our voice and tone is or at least for runkeeper we're super friendly super encouraging it's very much a coaching tool designed to and this is a direction we're moving even further in we really want to help all runners of any levels get to where they want to go and continue to progress. And I think we do a really good job of being able to speak to all running abilities, which I don't think if you look at some competitors, they might be targeting more of a specific demographic. And I think we are someone who you can run with like for your entire running journey, whether it's like your first 5k or like your seventh marathon. Yeah. In terms of messaging in the acquisition world, At the end of the day, it's going to be expensive no matter what. It's a very, very crowded space, especially when you're bidding on keywords. Like you have the Kayla's of the world. You have all of these like boot camp apps that are coming out of like, I don't know if you're a big Bachelor fan, but one of the recent... Me? I'm I'm huge. I love it so much. One of the recent cast (laughs) the Bachelor has even come out with his own app, Booth. Really? Yeah. So, and it's crazy the amount of money they're willing to spend in the app store and on some of these things. So it's becoming more and more crowded as if it wasn't crowded enough. So we have to really lean into who we are as a brand. And again, going back to the leveraging the ASICs piece too. So it's really crucial to existing and being able to be competitive at all in the app store and other platforms too that we're running in. Absolutely. And you touched on acquisition a lot there, right? I mean, it sounds like part of this, right, is there's a whole testing component to a lot of what you guys do. There must be at least, right? And iterating and figuring out what works for such a large brand might be challenging. But how important is testing to you guys? Are you guys constantly finding new vendors to run acquisition campaigns against? Are you constantly trying new email push strategies? What does that kind of look like for y'all? Yeah, I mean, from an acquisition standpoint, we're 
we haven't hit the point of maxing out on any platform by any means. That's one in terms of budget, two in terms of the creative assets that we have to use. Our entire creative team sits here internally and is solely dedicated. We have a couple that are solely dedicated to just fitness apps. So there's so much to test and learn with creative, with copy, with A-B tests in the Google Play Store. So we haven't even maxed out on just our normal channels like Facebook, Snapchat, Google, Apple Store. So just with those alone, I mean, we're kind of using a majority of our budget. But again, we did opt into a new platform this month. Merge. I don't know if you've heard of them or not. <laughs> I have not. They sound awesome. They're great. So we just launched our first retargeting campaign this past week. So there's always something to learn there. And I think it's tough when you're given a relatively small budget based on maybe something. When I was at the agency, we had very robust budgets, to, to say the least. And so coming in and making sure that we're proving ourselves, looking at a return on ad spend, all those different things to kind of prove to not only like our stakeholders here, but just in general, paid advertising works and it gets people through the door. And with these highly targeted mechanisms and specific creatives we're able to serve to a demographic that we choose. I mean, we can increase in conversion rates. There's just so much to do there. So, I mean, we're obviously a pretty small team. So really putting together a a roadmap and being organized about it, I would say is maybe the hardest part. But hopefully, you know, in the future, we're looking to kind of grow this side of things as we know that it is very important to bring in those new users and then passing them off to a Molly who can retain Mm -hmm. them and keep them using our app. You touched on the idea of budgets there for a second and saying perhaps you guys haven't maximized the budgets you could put into things. With that being said, understanding that your budgets are somewhat limited, how kind of restrictive are you guys in terms of who you are willing to test and what are kind of the hurdles partners need to overcome in order for you to say, all right, we're willing to put limited budget into this? Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually a really good question because it's a point where we've really been back and forth on internally too. I mean, there is a time where it's like, all right, we're not willing to spend against this app or this app unless we hit this CPI. And I think that's tough because it really stunts your experimenting that you can do within the platform. And again, we all know that it takes the algorithms a couple of weeks to learn and really get to a steady state. So it's tough to really put a number and limit that when you're trying to test anything. So I think something when I come in and kind of had it more of an open mind and being like, all right, you know what, let's test it. If it doesn't work, that sucks that we lost a lot of money. But if we can put together a deck and show why it didn't work and take that learning, continue to iterate, I think that's where people are willing to kind of listen and invest a little bit more in. I mean, there are some partners that you're like, all right, this just isn't a good fit for us. Like we're looking at app installs, for example, and this this partner just doesn't align, but that goes along with the vetting process to start. So yeah, I think it's a really important part of what we're doing. And we haven't historically spent much against RunKeeper. We've spent a lot on our other app, Basic Studio, which we haven't chatted much about yet. But yeah, and it's an interesting case. Like you guys kind of have, you live on two sides of the coin, right? Where on the one hand with RunKeeper, you have an app that really exploded and had such massive growth in a lot of ways organically, right? And then on the other hand, you have an app that's brand new to the space and it started up in a space that was far more congested than when RunKeeper hit the scene, right? Have you been able to leverage data from RunKeeper to help kind of propel some of the growth for ASIC Studio? Are there certain learnings you take from one app and bring to the other? Or do you treat them as just separate entities altogether because maybe their audiences are different? Yeah, I mean, I try to be more fluid about the two of them. There was a time when, you know, it was strictly Grow ASIC Studio and then a time when it was like, all right, let's invest in RunKeeper and see where that takes us. So I think, again, we've been back and forth on it, but we're really learning how to 
lean into a lot of our runkeeper audiences. Like you said, we do have a lot of first party data that we can run with, uh, pun definitely intended. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we can segment those users in terms of how fast they're running, how long they're running, when they're running, are they wearing any wearables, that sort of stuff. And we can kind of target those users on RunKeeper with specific creative too. So there are lots of different methods we can go about utilizing both apps. Again, it is like 10 times harder to compete in the ASIC Studio coaching space, I would say, and a lot more expensive, but that's as expected too. So when the business model is different, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding of most, we'll call it training style apps, right? That are like ASIC Studio. A lot of the content is gated, if not completely gated. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's then that's the other thing. It's like you can get into RunKeeper and utilize the entire app for free. We'll hit you with a paywall seven days, within seven days, that sort of stuff. Whereas ASIC Studio, it's more of here, come try a couple classes. But at the end of the day, it is very, very premium content. We have like first-hand trainers coming in, coaches coming in, recording this content, personalized training plans, that sort of stuff. So it is gated and it's gated for a reason because it's premium. So it's a little bit more expensive to acquire paying users and to get them to buy into the product. Yeah, but the obvious, the handoff there is costs a lot more to get them. Hopefully their value is higher from a monetary perspective in the long run, right? Right. Which might make it challenging to compare sources that you use for testing or strategies, right? When the cost associated with acquiring one user is so vastly dissimilar from another, it might be hard to get those learnings to translate from one to the other. Is that at all accurate? I would think so. I think a lot of times we'll go in and be like, all right, this works on RunKeeper. We know it's not going to work on ASIC Studio, but it kind of goes back to my testing and learning philosophy that it's like, let's take, all right, maybe it's not a exact mirror image of one another, but let's take little things that work with our RunKeeper users and try to get it to work on the ASIC Studio side. Totally makes sense. Molly, as it pertains to engaging users in both apps with email marketing or push or whatever it is that that might be used for engagement. Are the strategies somewhat similar between the two or are they way different? They're getting more similar, I would say. So what we're into, well, we were in two different spaces between the apps. So ASIC Studio being new, being about, I guess we started working on it like two years ago. We had the opportunity to vet a new suite of marketing tools and figure out what the best approach would be like to start a new lifecycle program from scratch, knowing what we were hoping to drive the user to do. Whereas with RunKeeper, we have had legacy tools like from before my time that weren't built when mobile was really like as at the forefront as it is now and weren't optimized. They weren't growing in the same ways that competitors in the space were, but our entire product was super interwoven with these tools. And it was really challenging in a fun way to find a way into like kind of a place, a tool that was more optimized to where we wanted to go. So what we did was when we launched ASIC Studio, our team vetted a bunch of tools, picked one that they really liked and worked on it with ASIC Studio from the beginning. So they are like very compatible, built out lifecycle systems, et cetera. And now what we have been doing for the last few months with RunKeeper is transitioning onto that same tool and building out new lifecycle campaigns from scratch, essentially, figuring out what the most important goals are. Like, And that is a place where we have to align with our product team. We have to align with company goals and figure out what we're looking to achieve and then how we can use that tool to do it. And it has been a super huge, really fun interesting project that we've been working on for about four months and it's going to be continuing to grow like forever. 
when that's fully baked out, right? When the new, I don't want to oversimplify, but we'll call it for the sake of this conversation, when the new integrations are fully baked out and you have these technologies in place on RunKeeper, what is kind of the next step for you? Like, what does it allow you to do that maybe you couldn't do before? So we actually have uh, onboarded ourselves onto the new tool. We have been using the new tool for like oh, cool. two months. Yeah, it was a very quick process getting off of our old tool and onto this new one. That's something I've never heard before in the ad tech space. That's a first. The word quick integration of new technology does not exist in this world, but congrats. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> a lot of the legwork had been done when building out Music Studio. A lot of our team knew the tool already, so that was a huge advantage for sure. And our marketing team knew the tool, haven't used it for ASIC Studio. So that was a huge advantage for this process. But for sure, there's so much that we can do that we weren't able to do before. We were super reliant on our data team to set up triggers for communications, email blast lists, things like that. Just kind of the most basic tools for an email and push marketer. The localization process also had a lot more layers to it in our previous tool. So we just found a ton of efficiencies in setting up campaigns and executing them. We can do more personalization, which is what we're starting to get nice. more deep into. So like an example is we're setting up a new lifecycle marketing plan for our training plan product, which was something that was just going to be really unwieldy in our prior tool. And we can set up different messaging campaigns now to users training for a 5K versus users training for a marathon, because that's a totally different experience. And we should be able to support both of those people. And it's a lot easier to do that with where we're at now. And it's so important, right? Because that, I mean, especially with an app like RunKeeper that is so big and your experiences from user to user within the app could be so dissimilar, right? If your messaging isn't specific to a single consumer, then you could be just saying the completely wrong thing to them, even though they're using the same app, right? Exactly. And we also want to talk to a user differently who's running once a month versus like three times a week. There's so exactly, many, yeah. There's so many layers to a running person's running journey that like our marketing should be matching that. Yeah. And then ultimately you're able to leverage your technology to actually add value to their experience with your brand itself. Right. And that's the overall goal here. Exactly. So I think we did talk before about how RunKeeper is almost a platform to help advertise ASICs brand materials, be it shoes or whatever the case may be, right? Do you ever see that in the future going the other way? Or is it already going the other way where you guys might be able to take some offline shopper data, for example, and bring that into the mix with ASIC Studio and RunKeeper? That is the dream. Yeah. So as you can imagine, ASICs has a lot of different regions we work with here with all different, we're all kind of achieving the same goal, but we all kind of have a slightly different marketing strategy based on product lines that drop at different times, depending on where you're at in the, in the world and stuff like that. But I will say that from an app perspective, we are trying to incorporate more of those product lines in our both of our apps. So for instance, we just launched a new strong collection in which perfectly aligned with ASIC Studio. So the new strong line kind of consisted of empowering women in these like bold colors. And yeah. you know, I'm not on the product team or product line <laughs> team, but it was all about like women empowerment and I would say. And so we decided to bring in some of our strong female trainers in ASIC Studio and put together a collection of classes and label that the new strong collection. So I'm actually launching a campaign today on that new strong collection. So again, like taking awesome. content that we already have, but bundling it a little bit different and bringing in new creative from our assets that we had from this line to kind of drive new installs and potentially 
reach a different kind of ASICs user. So we're working in that direction. It's relatively complicated and we have to make sure we're all kind of on the same system internally to really utilize that data. But that is the hope. Yeah. And like you said, that is the hope and the dream, it sounds like, right? To be able to marry such a large brand with these apps and help get each platform talking to each other so you can really engage your consumers with awesome, awesome content. That's one dream. Looking towards the future, what do you guys see coming down or what are other dreams you have, perhaps? We have a lot of dreams. Yeah, Molly and I were actually just talking about this the other day based on an event we had internally. But we think that the future lies in really connecting these physical and digital experiences. I don't know how much you've been popping around like downtown Boston at all, but there's there's a bunch of pop-ups that are coming up. There's like in the seaport? Yeah, 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 in the seaport. Yeah, it's crazy. That place, I don't know, man. It used to be cool. I feel like it's just, it's like a big mall now. I don't love it. Yeah, yeah. that's Whiskey Priest was there. <laughs> yeah, the Whiskey Priest. Oh, man. For our listeners, if you never got to go to the Whiskey Priest. Well, they can't go now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't go now. And one might say, yeah. Uh, you never really truly lived without going there at least once. What a bar. <laughs> right, right. Um, but anyway, yeah, going back to <laughs> the pop-ups in Boston, like you see outdoor voices. What's the new? Glossier. Glossier. Lines out the door every day. I thought that was Glossier. It's Glossier. Glossier. I'm not sure. We That's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's probably Glossier. I've that never been. I posh. haven't heard them pronounce it. Right, right. But yeah, you we just see them. these, again, lines out the door. It's crazy. You know the brand because you got hit with them on Instagram about 700 times. And you're like, wow, this brand is cool. People are talking about it. And now I can see it in real life. So that's what we're kind of getting back to is really connecting these experiences. Like interpersonal connections aren't going away anytime soon. right? And that's something we have to leverage with Runkeeper too. So we actually had our own pop-up event. I don't know if you want to talk about it or not. Yeah. Another thing I was going to add about the Seaport is there's a pretty consistent amount of like pop-up fitness classes. So I saw on Gronk's Instagram the other day that he did a Gronk fitness class down there and there were tons and tons of people. And you see like local classes like um, Kick It by Eliza and things like that that are popular in the Boston area doing these one day random meetups on a lawn and they, they go through the workout class together and they get really, really strong showings. And so I think being a digital brand and digital workout tool that has like a, a strong user base getting those physical experiences to our users too is something that will become more and more a priority. And so what Megan touched on was we recently hosted a 5k pop-up run out of the A6 product office. We're just around the corner from our office and we oh, sweet users. It was uh, as part of a hackathon that our company did. And so we had a week to put the whole thing together and we got like a pretty decent showing. I think we had like 25 people show up and a lot of interest on Facebook and email, et cetera. So we put a little pain behind it, social email, just to see what we could get. And that was an awesome way to engage with our users. Uh, we met some people that drove down from New Hampshire, which was super cool. I think it's cool for them to see the team behind this product that they use every day and kind of realize like the human element behind it. And also it's just fun to run together yeah i love that because it's an interesting thing because apps do feel so not personal right there isn't like it's hard to feel that there's a personal connection with people in an app even though there definitely is we're all running we all share really similar interests right just by sheer dint of using this app right so connecting those users in a physical location i imagine would make them just so much more loyal to your brand it would also make them 
CUS people, which is great. I imagine the challenge with that is how do you scale programs like that? I'm guessing you'd start in Boston, right? You, where your headquarters are. It's really easy for you guys to facilitate quick meetups and then scale them up. And then it's a matter of, all right, how do we stretch this to other places in the country? And that sounds daunting, but I can imagine the value of it being just massive. Right. And that's where having these ASICs locations too, right. like we have a flagship store in New York and ah, yes. we're able to leverage those types of places for events too. And that's like just kind of the first step in that direction. but. And Definitely they host potential. some really cool events yeah. too. Um, Dr. Metzel, who's an athlete with ASICs and a doctor, hosts workouts, I think, every week in the New York office that gets tons and tons of foot traffic. So this is something that we just kind of personally think is overall a place that digital is going. And an example that I had when we were having this conversation the other day is the Apple introducing that screen time feature. Like, I think people, I think that I took as a step towards people trying to like make a renewed effort to engage in their physical world. Um, <laughs> in real you know, life. <laughs> you know? It's like phones are essential. Like we're going to have them forever, but finding other ways to bring the phone experiences in person yeah. goes a long way. I don't want to talk about the screen time thing. Cause I'll just like, I'll get, Oh, I don't look at it. It'll get this conversation. gets so depressing. Really quick. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I don't, but no, overall, that's it's super interesting, right? Because most of the conversations that I have on this podcast, I say, hey, hey, what do you see happening in the future? And, and the answer is not a lot of what do you expect, but it's a lot of things centered on machine learning, automation, et cetera, right? Like further building out of machines and efficiencies in that regard. Whereas yours is a step almost in the opposite direction, but I think is so valuable. And it's really important for us as marketers to remember like the human component of all of this and that to really get engaged consumers, they need to know your brand in deeper ways, potentially that go beyond just opening an app and going for a run, right? Yeah, right. totally. Either way, that's super insightful. I love it. This has been awesome having, <laughs> <laughs> having a group of people from Boston on the podcast because I just love Boston and I love the people in it. And you guys have been absolutely fantastic. And we genuinely, genuinely appreciate you both joining us today. Again, to our listeners, Megan Sylvia, Molly Plain from ASICS Digital. It's been absolutely fantastic having you guys, and, and we hope to have you back sometime in the future. Thank you cool. so much. Thanks.